Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hey, this is Ashley from Team Serious Tri Club. In tonight's chat, Beck talks all about 16-week training plans that are available through Team Serious Tri Club, how long your long run should be for a 70.3 and full Ironman, and the importance of those hard runs. Hope you enjoy it. Buddy, welcome to Team Serious Tri Club live chat. It is the one and only legendary Rebecca Keat. On her own, because Siri had a huge day today, um, she really didn't stop. So I'm going live from outside. Um, you can see our ranch hand has taken over my shift now and he's doing the feeding. I did all the grain and Siri helped me do all the medicine. So we're a good team. So hi, Kristen, how are you? Um, so I'll wait for you guys to jump on. I'll give you a little bit more time, but really excited to be on this live chat tonight because we have some pretty cool, exciting new announcements. So we've got Megan on again. Our regulars are always here. I love you guys, Kristen and Megan. And was it you, Kristen, that just signed up for the half marathon? I think it was you or maybe it was somebody else. I know, but someone signed up for a half marathon. I got Kath Carpenter on. Oh, I got my Ashley's on. Yay. Um, thank you, guys. So welcome to our chat. It is Monday, uh, July 11. I can't believe we're already halfway through the year. Right. So if you have signed up for a race recently, your first ever one, put it in here. Or if you've just done your first one, please put it in the chat. We want to hear from you because I believe that race season is starting to wind down a little bit now. And, you know, the last races are December in Australia. But that was it said senator but i don't think that was the senator um a spam call maybe <laughs> if the senator was calling me i'd pick it up and tell him to ban horse slaughter so um we have 16 weeks to 70.3 brazil 70.3 uh turkey and 70.3 florida 16 to 17 weeks so if any of you are planning to do that don't forget we have amazing 70.3 plans available in beginner intermediate and advanced and we have a new member on tonight who just joined last week Teresa wyatt so excited to have you. How are you, hun? Let us know, Teresa. You, I believe, just purchased our, I think, 70.3 plan. So let us know, or maybe it was one of the sprint ones, but let us know what plan you purchased. And if you have any questions about that, that's why we always encourage our members to join our group because we want you guys to be able to ask questions about the plans, about training. Um, usually there's a glossary at the start of the workouts, um, sorry, the start of the plan, so you know uh, what everything means. But sometimes our dialogue or our um, verbiage doesn't resonate, so you need that explained, which is totally understandable. So, Teresa is one of our very new members. Um, I think she joined last week. We're so excited to have you, Teresa. And let us know if you're racing this weekend. What races are you doing? And I also want to know who is racing St. George 70.3 World Championships. We have about three that have qualified the know of so far, but I think we have more. We have Annette on. How are you, Annette? Um, because Siri and I are going to be at St. George 70.3. We are very excited to be there cheering. We're going to hopefully have our tent set up on the course for all our family and our spectators because I know there's a lot of you guys that are spectating too. My athlete, Vanessa Cook, qualified. Um, and there's quite a few going. Maddie Pesh is going. There's quite a few. Uh, Ellie Salthouse is going. There's quite a few of our athletes going. Karen Peterson is on. Karen, let us know how your training is doing. And I see Kristen is doing 70.3 Oregon. Yay. Oh, is anyone doing that? Sorry, my bad. I was thinking, yay, Kristen signed up for a 
Oh, well. Okay, we did have a question. Now, we had a question this week, and it was how – one of them – we have a few questions. But one of them was how long should your long run be for 70.3 in Ironman? And Siri and I really wanted to touch on that tonight. Well, I want to touch on that tonight because you've got to understand that, firstly – Age groupers don't get the luxury of being professionals where they just can go and recover in their normal tech boots and get a massage and do a recovery swim. They have to go to work or look after their kids. They don't get to rest and put their legs up. So firstly, your recovery is not like pros. So don't try and think you can train like a pro and recover like a pro. You just can't. And that's where it sucks being an age grouper because we have the luxury. I had the luxury of sitting on my ass, recovering, eating, sleeping, training. That was all I did. And that gives us a huge advantage, especially the recovery part of that. So your long run as an age group athlete for a half Ironman, we never go above two hours. We barely even go above an hour 45. But if we know that it's going to take you two and a half hours, we try to get you up to that two hour mark. Because the thing is, you're getting your cardiovascular conditioning, you guys, on the bike. Okay, so your heart and lungs don't know what exercise you're doing. All it knows is that it's working aerobically for like five hours if you do a five-hour bike ride. That cardiovascular conditioning transfers over to your legs, okay, because that will give you the conditioning to go long, to do that two-hour run or to do that five-hour marathon off the bike. So remember, you get your cardiovascular adaptation um, in the bike and in the swim and the run. But on the long bikes, that's where you're getting your long aerobic conditioning. So you have that in your legs. People say, oh, should I run a marathon before a marathon? No, because it also takes, point two is it also takes you probably almost two weeks to recover from anything over about two hours, two hours, 15. It can take you up to two weeks to recover from that. Your heart is bruised. It's a muscle. Your legs are fatigued. And then you guys have to go to work. You have to pick up the kids. You have to play with the kids after school or you have to sit in an office job. You don't have the luxury of the recovery that the pros do. And most pros, especially someone like Rini, will only go two hours 15 for a marathon training for her Ironman. She won't go above two hours 15. So remember, the cardiovascular conditioning comes in heart and lungs from the bike, five, six-hour rides for an Ironman, even up to seven. Okay, but you're not going to get that pounding in your legs. So you can recover way quicker from a five, six-hour bike than you ever would from like a three-hour run. That is going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your muscles. It's going to destroy your glycogen stores. It's going to make you more prone to injury. Okay, it's going to not be able to allow you to recover to do the really hard training. So you're going to be stuck in that gray zone. So we say for a half, two hours max running. And then for a marathon, we do 2.15 max, sometimes up to two and a half hours. And that might be broken um, into two runs. So you might do two hours in the morning and then 30 minutes um, in the afternoon for a double run or something like that. So there you go. There's your tip on long bike, long run. And I know that I enlightened. Thank you, Trisha Robinson. I know that I enlightened a lot of people um, when I told you guys this because everybody thinks that to run a marathon or a half marathon, you have to run that in training. It's just not true. Um, if you are doing, and the other thing, other the other thing to add to this, a little caveat is that it's great news, right? It's amazing news. Your run fitness is going to come from your interval runs, okay? Your threshold runs, your strength runs, your heel runs, um, your hard runs. And you should be doing at least one a week of either hill reps, of um, some sort of a build run, of um, efforts above race pace, pace, way above race pace, really shorter efforts. So if your goal race pace is to run a 130, you should be doing like efforts at way 
quicker than four 30 minute K pace. Okay. Cause that's about four twenty K pace. So, so you want to be running much quicker than that with your intervals in training than you would, than you wanting to achieve in a race. So you have to be able to do that. And then the easy stuff, you've got to go, Siri, can you stop the dog from barking? Sorry. The easy stuff, you have to go really easy and the hard stuff, you need to go be able to go hard. So staying out of that gray zone and doing the very long runs as easy as you can with minimal effort and bringing you nutrition. So there you go. I had to say that today because I saw somebody was asking about that and I did do a post about that also. Um, is this true if I'm only actually running a marathon? I'm doing, yes, it's the same thing, running a marathon. You did not need to do, great question, Trisha. You do not need to run a marathon in training if you're running a marathon. Absolutely not. I'm assuming you're probably going to do around 4, 4.30 or some maybe five hours. So if you try to run for four hours in training, it is going to take you weeks to recover from that. Cardiovascularly, physically, mentally, um, muscularly, you're going to be much higher prone to injury. So Trisha, if you're running a marathon, we have amazing marathon plans. Basically what you did for an Ironman training with the run, you could just do it as a run program. So it would only be three runs a week. So you do your long run. You don't have to go over about two and a half hours, but get your intensity in. I heard someone I didn't agree with it. One of the, one of the, well, it wasn't a coach actually, it was an athlete saying that, and they were more of an amateur, that all your runs should be easy. Most of your runs should be easy. Mm, maybe if you're doing five runs a week, you might have three of them easy, but if you can only get three runs in a week, one could be a bit of change in pace, a bit of fartlek. One could be really easy and one's your long run. But to really benefit from a long run, you could add turnovers at the end or add a slight incline at the end. Okay, so isn't that great news, Trisha? You do not have to run a marathon in training. I do not recommend that at all. And if you think mentally you have to get the time in your legs, do a four-hour bike ride instead, okay? Because you're obviously a triathlete and you can get the aerobic conditioning there. But you will get that. And also, you do need to do some, some training on the road. If your marathon is on a hard surface, which usually it's on the road, try and do at least every second long run or every third long run on the road on the tarmac to get your legs used to that pounding because it's very different to running on a trail. You have to get that conditioning into the legs um, sometimes. So I would add that for sure. Okay, so let's see. So we also have a few new members to welcome. Okay, we have Alex Rodriguez, but I think some of these were original members and then they re-signed up. Dylan McMahon was an original member. I know he re-signed up. Lisa Ridges, I think, was also an original member, but she may have just re-signed as well. Now, Karina Olson, or Karina Alonso, that sounds like a new name to me. Teresa White is definitely a new name. Marika Browers is a new athlete. Carlos Santiago is series new athlete, I believe, from Mexico. He's amazing. He's an 820 Ironman. He's going for the Mexican record, which is 804, and I think he's going to do it. Um, Laura Metro is, is definitely new, and Julia Delu is also a new member. So thank you, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so excited to have you guys. Thank you, Becky, for putting that up. So grateful. Hi, Patrice. How are you? So Trisha's asking, last time I ran too long because I was doing miles up to 20 before the marathon. Yes, so we base all our long runs on time, not on miles, because it's very different. We want everyone to be doing the same time in their legs. So if we say miles and poor Trisha, we're just telling Riddy to go and run or Ellie to go and run 20 miles, she might do that in like 
She might do that in, let me think, 20 miles. That's 30K. Oh, that's a long, that's a long run. That's way too long. But say Ellie might do that in like, I don't know, um, that's 30K, like just over two hours, whereas it's going to take you like three or four hours. That's just crazy. It's crazy. So go by time and I'm not your coach and I know you have a coach, but go by time in the legs and get the aerobic conditioning from the bike. It's going to be there. If it's been there before, it's going to be there, but you should be doing your interval runs, your threshold runs, your... You probably don't have time for even a recovery run, but your strength runs. Get that improved fitness in the run from working hard in your hard sessions. Don't just do the gray zone running that moderately hard, 7 out of 10 all the time. That is not going to help you with your fitness as much as it would if you did the really slow, slow, easy, long runs with maybe some turnovers at the end and then get the intensity in during the week, like eight three-minuters, 10 one-milers, all way above race pace. Like we try to get our guys to go 15 to 30 seconds above race pace per mile. So for me, I used to do say 15 to 23 minutes at like 16 miles an hour because I wanted to break the 121 for the half marathon. And for my uh, my best ever uh, marathon off the bike was a 255 marathon in Roth when Chrissy and I got the world record and she went 259, I think. Um, 255 marathon, I was doing like 30 by three minuters or 30 by 800s every single week at 345k pace and if I did that which was 10 exactly 10 miles an hour I knew if I could do 30k at 10 miles an hour I was definitely going to break that three hour mark and I did so it's all numbers it's a numbers games but go by um go by time for sure in your legs so Okay, what do we see? How many pairs of running shoes would you recommend to have? Oh, wow. So I um, I change them per run session, but some people don't have the luxury of doing that. But the, the advice that most good runners would give will say you have, say, two or three pairs and you change them up each time. And when you're doing the hard intensity stuff, say a 30, 40-minute interval run on the treadmill or something, you'd wear more of a lighter shoe than to be a long runs and more of a heavier, hoker, supportive kind of shoe not necessarily heavier actually more supportive because you can get a very supportive shoe that is not heavy anymore so two or three pairs and change them every hundred hundred kilometers um um, and that's sounds crazy because um that would be changing them every week but say you do it every and that's recommended by top runners but some people can't afford that so every three or four hundred kilometers you want to change them so that's going to be like for you guys running 50k a week like that's going to be like every like two months, probably something like that. Every one and a half, two months, you're going to need new shoes. The most that I would run um, in a pair of shoes would be about three months of like 30, 40 miles a week. You don't want to do more than three months because that cushioning, okay, that um, where it come the cushioning and the shock absorption, it just starts to disappear really quickly. Thank you, Patrice. I'm glad that helped. When you say turnovers at the end of an easy run, do you mean, no, I don't mean just increase the cadence. So a turnover set, I'm going to share it tomorrow. Ellie did a perfect example of it the other day. I think I may have posted it. So turnovers is basically, you'll see this in your program, I would say, Teresa, for sure. But a turnover set um, is when you go 20 seconds fast, 40 seconds rest. That is our that's, we named it a turnover set and you normally would do it on a dead flat road that hopefully would be slightly downhill or a dead flat road or a treadmill it's much better to do it on a treadmill if you can because you're going to go faster you have better cadence and you can focus on your form you can usually run a little quicker than you would on the road if you force yourself to run quickly on a treadmill so it'd be 20 seconds 
say your uh, your marathon, your half marathon pace is eight miles an hour, like you're going to do those 20 seconds at like 10 miles an hour. Like you're going to go one to two miles quicker than what your probably your fastest, say, five or six minute effort would be. So say your 5K pace is like seven miles an hour. Like you want to be doing those 20 seconds at like nine miles an hour. But it's it shouldn't feel hard puffy puffy wise, heart rate wise. It should You should be able to fully recover after that 40 seconds. If you're not fully recovering, you're going too quick. So the 20 on 40 off, by the time you have that 40 off and you go for the 20 hard again and you do about 10 of them start at five then do 10 the next week build up to 15 even get up to 20 of them it's an amazing session to do off the bike off any long bike as well or any hard bike it just gets your body used to that fast cadence and it gets your body used to running off the bike and it's really good for leg speed for conditioning for fast twitch fibers um, and just good for form so you go 20 fast 40 rest don't do the 40 easy because it changes the whole session when you try and jog the recovery of that that's making it more of a workout than actually a turnover feel good cadence set so make sure you do that recovery um i hope that helps (laughs) how early before a race to start breaking in the shoes i like to do it like two weeks before i like to do three or four runs in them because you want to make sure you're not getting blisters or anything like that so try using powder in your shoes or some sort of lube on your foot as well, but powder with the on the outside of your socks, and then like you want like a Vaseline on your on your feet before you put your socks on if you're going to wear socks, and that will help that glide a little bit, so less chance of blisters. And then the less wet you can get your feet, the better for um, reducing the chance of getting blisters, um, and the better fitting shoes. So you would try it for two weeks because you want to do at least I would say. A, if you're doing a marathon or half marathon off the bike, you want to try doing at least a one hour run in them just to see that you're not getting any like hot spots in your feet or anything like that. Um, 500 miles are the life of a shoe. Yeah, oh, 500 miles. I said like 300. So I w- I'm going for 300 because that's like 480K. So that would be even pushing it for me. I would say I would say three to four months, Mac. We've got Lieba Cohen on. How are you? Good to see you. Um, okay, any other questions, you guys? I feel like we hashed out quite a lot there. I'm just going to have a quick sip of water. We've got 16 people on. That's amazing. Let us know, you guys, if you have any more questions. Um, if you missed the start, I was talking about um, our training plans and how we have, like, basically, like, here in the U.S., the last race. Well, I know we have some towards the end of the year. We have, like, 16 weeks to to 370.3s in like Turkey, we still have our 16 week plans for Turkey, um, Brazil, and Florida. And then of course, we have 23 week plans that will bring you right up to those end of year December kind of um, Ironman races that they have they're having in Australia, and then there's New Zealand 70.3 and stuff toward the end of the year. So Yes, we do have a somewhere a video, but I can make you a video that Kristen's asking for a video of single leg um, bike work. So basically, that's just try and get like full pedal stroke and evenness around the pedal stroke. Because normally beginners or newbies, what they'll do is they'll clunk. You'll feel a clunk at the bottom of your pedal stroke and you don't want that. Usually that just means it's either poor pedal stroke, poor technique or not enough pressure on your on your, on your your pedals because their resistance is too easy. So if you are feeling that, make it a little bit harder gear. And the best way to think about not clunking is Serio says drop your heel at the bottom. And if you're dropping your heel and your butt's shifting off the seat, your seat's too high. So you should always be dropping your heel flat at the bottom of the pedal stroke when the pedal's horizontal like this. Okay, sorry, vertical like this. So when you're put at the bottom of the pedal stroke, when you're in your bars, if you're doing Ironman or a time trial like 70.3, you shouldn't have full stretch of your uh, of your knee when you're 
pedals straight down vertically to the ground. Like there should be a slight bend, a quite a decent bend in that. Otherwise, if you're moving your butt off to try and scrape the heel down, drop your heel at the bottom of the stroke, your seat's too high. And I did notice the other day, one of our athletes, I was letting her know that her seat was just a little bit too high because your, your foot should be flat like that at the bottom of the pedal stroke. It should look like that. And it should look like you're scraping poop off the bottom of your shoe. So think about that with the one leg pedals. I just hold my left leg out, click my right leg in, and I just pedal around and just make sure it's smooth all around the pedal stroke with dropping your heel at the bottom. But I can send a video of that. Just remind me to send that to you. Um, I'll post that for you, um, or maybe I'll do it for of Ellie when she's doing it, because it's really good to practice. So what are your tips for swimming in lots of traffic at the swim? I did an hour aquathon yesterday and it got super crowded and boxed in. How do you thread the needle to get ahead of zigzag swimmers? Yeah, oh, I go right to the side. Like there's no question. Like when you're in the middle of the pack, you're either best, depends where you are because you don't want people swimming over the top of you, but I always get to the side. I get to the side and hopefully the side that the buoy is on. So if the pack's going straight towards a buoy and it's on the right, like I try to get right to the right and on the inside and then just quickly duck in around the buoy. Um, but you want to get out of that. Like you either stop and just swim, literally swim to the side. It's, you get clean water. Like try to always look for clean water because I don't know how you guys do it. I only ever had like 60 women at once with me, but you guys have hundreds. So try to go to the side and just get clean water as quick as you can. Um, even if it means like stopping or just moving out for a little bit, because it will save you time to get around. Even if you have to swim further, but always try to take the straighter line. So if the pack's going towards a buoy, as I said, and it's really spread out, and the buoy's on your right, like just get to the inside of the right as close to the inside of the right. Don't go to the left where you've got to go wide all the way around. Go to the right and then try and cut in at the last minute there. Uh, Liba, what is a good way to start to learn how to trail run? I recently started trail running when I'm so much slower because watching rocks and roots. Yeah, I'm not the best trail runner to be honest, but I think a lot of it also has to do with mobility stability and how stable you are and your stabilizers because it's a lot of it's here too you got to think about what you're doing but I would say first you look at the shoe that you're wearing because hokas are not the best trail running shoes well they, they do have trail running shoes but in general the tri shoes and the long distance shoes are not really trail shoes so you definitely need to find a shoe that is more of a minimal well it sounds kind of intuitive but more of a minimalist shoe um i wear the adidas boston just because um or adi zero bostons because they have a continental tire on the bottom and it gives you a really good grip and they're quite thin and they don't have a big chunky wide like section where you've got to try and feel like you're wearing clown shoes um it's i find it really hard to run in trail shoes um hoka trail shoes just because they're so wide you want like a thinner kind of shoe if that helps um and i just say practice you just got to practice and most trails like hopefully the ones you're running on might be a little crazy i know i think in vegas it's a little crazy there but here they're usually pretty um pretty flat and they're usually just uh more like uh i guess like gravelly rather than rocky so it's honestly just practice but just be careful because you can get very injured if you don't have those little stabilizers working properly and that might lead me in oh hocus speed goat is a good trail shoe there you go perfect Salem trail sneakers yes they're good they might be okay but they may be i don't know if they'd be okay for running it depends what they look like you definitely want some cushioning in there as well um, they're too big. Yeah, if they're too big, they'll definitely feel like they're, you know, not working for you because you want to be able to feel the ground with your feet. So I really honestly like the um, Adi Zero Bostons um, with the Conti tires on the bottom because you never slip and they're really grippy. 
Uh, Karen is asking, let's see, this week is my first mini race. Yeah, I didn't realize it came up so quick because I have a triplan, but I'm doing a duathlon. How should I first run segment B? Okay, so she's doing a duathlon. So let's talk about newbies, run, bike, run. Okay, now I hate to tell you, Karen, but people will agree that a duathlete's on here. They're freaking harder than triathlon. So if you can get through this duathlon and do it, which you're going to, you, triathlon's going to be a piece of, piece of cake for you because trying to run and then bike after is so tough on the legs. So I would honestly say in your first one, you just got to build into it. And then the last couple of minutes of the run, really slow it down for you, I'm saying, as someone that's new, as a newbie beginner. Like build into it. Don't start out too hard because then you're going to get lactate and then you're going to have trouble getting rid of that lactate and you're going to get your heart rate up. It's going to spike and then you're going to feel like shit. So build into it. Start off pretty easy and it's hard with the adrenaline, but that's probably going to be an advantage to have that adrenaline. Build into it slowly. And then the last few minutes before you're going to get the bike, you see, say you see transition, really slow down, slow your breathing down. Okay. You don't want to get on the bike with a racing heart rate or you're just going to be like, oh my God. So slow it down a little bit. Go really slow through transition. Take your time. Um, get your bike unracked. Breathe really. I was saying um, some of my try tips for the other day were for Ashley, for the beginner triathletes, was getting out of the swim was kicking. As you get out of the swim, you want to get blood in your legs. Kick, 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 so that when you get out of the water, you don't just collapse. I'd done that before when I didn't used to kick when I was swimming, and I'd collapse out of the water because there's no blood in my legs. So start kicking, kicking, kicking. Well, before you get out of the water, if you're this is for a triathlon, before you get out of the water, and then remember to breathe through transition. Don't over breathe. I used to find myself going, <laughs> but it was more anxiety than actual fitness. It was it wasn't that I was puffing hard. It was just a little bit of anxiety. So breathe, big breaths. Just think about big breaths the whole time in transition. You don't have to worry about getting the blood in the legs because they're gonna it's gonna be in there from the run. And then just really smooth transition, get on the bike and then off for the run. This is completely different. For the run, when you get off to run, what you do want to do is you want to do little quick feet for like 10 steps and then really, really easy. Then little 10 steps quick, like out of transition, then 20 steps easy. And do that like three or four times. We're just doing really fast cadence, like quicker steps, quicker steps, and then go easy and do that three or four times for like within a couple of minutes. And that will just get you going. If you're a more conditioned athlete, I would say literally you want to like almost sprint out of transition, like really fast turnover and cadence because you've already had that, you know, you've got the relaxed breathing because you've got you've transitioned you've stood there doing your helmet and your shoes so your heart rates come down and you, if you're a pro or a top age group you can just take off for the run and that will get your cadence up and set for the run but if you're a newbie i would say just do a few little pickups out of out of transition like quick 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 feet and then say 10 steps and then 20 steps really easy then 10 steps really fast 20 steps really easy three or four times that will make you feel really good amanda villa she did one a couple of weeks ago it was really tough didn't change my nutrition and burnt more calories running. Didn't get enough liquid calories in. So had to use gels to catch up on the bike. Yeah. So it's really hard to eat in the first run. And depending on how short it is, if the first run's only like 5K and you've had a really good... Sorry, my dog's barking and Siri is not making anything happen by quietening my dog. So I'm very sorry about that. Um, so if it, the first run is like only 5K and you've had a good breakfast, you're not going to need to eat in the first run. Even if it was a 10K run, I would say you probably don't even need, need to eat for a 10K run. But on the bike is where you want to get all your nutrition and stop about... Say it's 40K bike, you want to stop about five minutes before. Like get that nutrition in five to ten minutes before you get off to run so your gut's not full and it's started to digest it. And then if it's like a 90K bike, you want to get that fuel in 
um, right up until about 15 minutes before you get off the bike. And then, oh, you can't hear the pups. <laughs> and then um, get all the fueling you can in on, to, on the bike. I try to get my guys to have about 1.5 gram of carbohydrate per kilo per hour on the bike. It's very hard to get that um, on the run. And you want to get that in the first like three quarters of the bike. Um, and some people can only handle, and this, this is for a half Ironman slash, this is really more for an Ironman. For a half, you can get away with about one gram of carbs per kilo of body weight per hour. So for me, I'm 60 kilos. I would have been having about 60 grams an hour, um, on the bike, but remember the swim's 30 minutes. So you've got to make up for that too. So don't forget to make up for the 30 minutes out of the water. You would get that in straight away. I've done 30 minutes. I need 30 grams of carbs if I'm 60 kilo. And then say it's the, say I took two hours on the bike. I wish it was like 220 was my best or something, 218. Um, I was going to have like, I'm um, 60 kilo, I would have 120 grams minimum on the bike. I probably went more up to about 150, mostly fluid. And you need the same amount of water. So remember 150 grams, I would have needed at least one and a half liters of water to digest that. And you want to sip on water to digest it. I've said that before, for every gel that's 20 grams, you need 200 mils of water. Don't go drinking 200 mils of all that's going to do is just concentrate even more for your belly to digest. Do it with water and drink your electrolyte afterwards, right? So get into your electrolyte afterwards. So, okay. So anything else, you guys? Because um, I have an announcement. I have two announcements. This Thursday, we are going live for Ellie Salthouse's 8 a.m. trainer workout. If you want to join us, I will give you the session. I'm going to go live and I might even bring you on the screen, but we're going to go live from most of the main set for you guys. We'll probably go live while she's setting up so you guys just say g'day. So if you're free on Thursday at 8 Mountain Time, which is 10 East, which is like 7 Pacific, um, put it in your diary because we're going to go live at 8 o'clock here around eight o'clock don't quote me because siri may change the time because this is ellie and she's just getting to altitude but it's probably going to be around eight mountain time uh thursday trainer session with ellie salthouse and siri's going to give you a workout so we'll bring you onto the camera if you're here and will you be able to see her in action you will see what she's doing with siri one thing i do ask is do not share the session it's private okay you guys get access to this as members but you cannot share the workouts and we do ask that you don't share any of our training unless it's ones we've posted on social media just don't share it especially being ellie because she is one of the best pros in the world right now we don't need every other pro to know what she's doing so <laughs> that's eight o'clock and then next week tuesday five mountain time so we won't be doing a live chat on monday because tuesday hugh hugh darnell Ellie Salthouse's strength conditioning physiotherapist slash trainer slash strength coach. Um, he's does he lectures in physiology. Is going to do a mobility stability introduction for you guys. And I know some of you had been working with Aaron, but we are going to make it very very cost effective. It's not going to be expensive, but we're bringing him in to do a virtual workouts every single month, and you guys will actually get a chance to be a part of his what Ellie does basically with him so and you can also sign up obviously for one-on-one -on -one with him but this is Ellie's strength conditioning coach and he's done so incredible with her and the main reason that I really opened my eyes to this was one my mom was studying the peri and postmenopause and all the benefits of gym strength training which we've been a little bit opposed to in the past and just the results we've seen with Ellie just going to another level over the last two years with this guy so last 12 months with this guy so he's going to come in and offer a one-month free uh virtual workout with you guys which is incredible because he usually is about 250 bucks an hour and for group coaching god knows what's god knows what's his charges but he's the best in queensland probably one of the best in the country and uh he trains like the tim burkle 
and a couple of the top Aussie professionals, most of the top Aussie guys in Australia. And um, he also has like a really big clientele for like um, 40 plus women that do different, not really try specific stuff. So he's going to make that specific for you guys, but you are going to have to pay a fee to him to do it because it's not going to be, I think, the 120 a month that I think Erin might charge, but um, it might be a little less than that. It's probably going to be, uh, I don't know, it might be like $15 a session or something like that, but totally worthwhile. But we've got to work out all those details. He's going to do it for our serious squatters too, but something a little different. So we'll have two options and then you guys can also obviously book the virtual one-on-one with him, but I just feel like it's really needed and I think that this the strength work in the gym after I've seen the results we've gotten from so many athletes is just amazing. So, yes, we're very excited to have her coach um, working with, with our guys now. And I think he's pretty honoured to be a part of our team too because we've probably had about 10 strength coaches come through in the last few years that have wanted to work with us and it's just not something we've been open to. So after seeing Ellie blossom, we, uh, we're really excited to have him. So it's Tuesday, guys. So remember, put in your diary next Tuesday at 5 Mountain Time. Next Tuesday at 5 Mountain Time. Um, is when he's going to be doing this. So this time next Tuesday, we won't have a Monday live. All right, any more questions, you guys? Ashley, did I miss anything? Wait a few minutes and just see if you guys have any more questions. Because if not, I'll say goodbye. Make sure you... Find my post on uh, World Champs, you guys. If anyone's attending, I want to get a list of all the people that are attending. And we're actually going to have someone help us also with races and who's going to what race. I know there's not many left now, but we're going to make sure that our team knows who's at races and that we can all meet up at each race. I think that's something great to add to. Okay, guys. Well, I love you. I'm going to say goodbye now, and um, we can't wait to see you next week with Hugh. And as always, if there's any questions that you have, please, please tag um, Siri and I or tag me on this Facebook group and we will be happy to answer and good luck with your program Teresa Wyatt <laughs> thanks guys bye hey Ashley here thanks for tuning in to tonight's live chat if you'd like to join these chats in real time just visit teamseriousTriclub.com and join the club for just $37 see you inside